Today's scripture is on page 1619 in your pew Bibles. It is from Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 59. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 59 on pages on page 1619. Not peace, but division. I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Interpreting the Times. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is, hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into the prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Thank you, Tammy. Just a reminder, there's an outline in the bulletin of the message and also encourage you to keep your Bibles open to this passage as we walk our way through and unpack it. But let's begin with just time of quiet and prepare our hearts to, to reflect on God's Word. Let's pray. Amen. Well, there's a popular perception in the world concerning Jesus that he's a man of love who comes to bring peace on earth and that his message is peace through love. And this is especially reinforced during the Christmas season when we have all the slogans on the Christmas cards that remind us that a child is born, a son is given, and he's called the Prince of Peace. The angels, of course, announced to the shepherds that this Messiah will bring peace on earth, and even the Jewish people expected the Messiah to bring peace with him. There is much in the Bible that supports this idea. Psalm 72 says, the righteous will flourish with an abundance of peace. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, he, he proclaims that upon the coming of the Messiah, that the Messiah will guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus himself said often to people that he healed or forgave, go in peace. And in John 14, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. 
In John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace, that you might have wholeness, shalom, completeness. Then we come to this passage in our scripture this morning in Luke 12, and Jesus seems to contradict this idea of peace. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. How are we to understand this? <clears throat> Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He proclaims a kingdom of peace. He will bring peace. And here he says, I bring division. I bring conflict. You see, what we overlook is that there is a condition to this peace. The Bible talks about this shalom. There cannot be peace, whether it's in the world or in our families or personally, until Jesus Christ reigns in the human heart. Until Christ is given His rightful place in our lives. The context of this passage is in a series of warnings that we've been looking at over the summer that Jesus gives towards the end of His ministry. More and more hostility is being shown toward Him. He is being rejected. His death is being planned. He is controversial. And because He's controversial, He is divisive. And he doesn't let up on being controversial. Now there's three parts here to what he says in Luke 12 to understand Jesus as a great divider. A divider of people. Jesus begins with a declaration. He says, I have come. Verse 49. He uses this phrase in many places. I have come. It's a way of stating and declaring his mission and his purpose. He says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. I have come not to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. I haven't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. For I have come from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I've come into the world as a light. I have come to seek and save the lost. Now here in Luke 12, Jesus says, I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it was already kindled. In other words, Jesus is telling us, I've come to bring life and light and peace and salvation. But if you reject me, and you reject what I have to offer, then I have come to bring fire upon the earth. You see, fire has two different meanings, and, and it symbolizes two different things in the Bible. On one hand, fire is a picture of judgment. An example in the Old Testament is Isaiah 66, verse 15. The prophet says, See, the Lord is coming with fire. And his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. It's a fire of judgment. 
But fire is also a picture of purification and purging. Fire is used to burn out the impurities of of metals. For example, it transforms iron into steel. Remember where Peter said, speaking of sufferings, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. So here's the deal. The fire that he brings for those who reject him will be judgment. And for those who believe, it will be a fire of purification, of cleansing of guilt and sin. When Jesus was consecrated as a baby, a prophet named Simeon blessed him and then turned to Mary, his mother, and said, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. He will bring judgment and he will bring salvation. Jesus says here, I have then a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is completed. Well, what is this baptism? It's his cross. It's the crucifixion. The word baptized can refer to going through an experience of suffering. And and the kindling of the fire of judgment is his death. It's a fire of judgment, but of judgment that God puts on him. God's wrath comes upon Jesus. The just dies for the unjust. He's punished for our sins in our place. And oh, he wishes it was over. He's anticipating it. Think think of times in your life when you've anticipated something. You know that's coming. It's on the horizon. Something that's unpleasant. Something that may even be painful. Surgery. Some kind of treatment. A confrontation with somebody. An exam. That's what's happening with Jesus. He's anticipating his suffering. He knows what's coming. He knows he will be immersed in pain and in judgment and divine wrath when he suffers on the cross. That's the baptism he must undergo. That's the fire that he will experience for the salvation of humankind. It's this baptism this crucifixion of Jesus that becomes the great divider between people, between families, between religions. Verse 51 and 52. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. You see, the cross of Jesus divides people into two categories. 
those who embrace His atoning sacrifice and put their faith in Him, and those who reject the cross, reject it as an act of salvation and reject the Savior and despise His grace. The crucifixion of Jesus is a turning point in the history of humankind. And it creates a clear division. A few weeks ago, we were looking at Luke 12, verse 42 through 48. And there Jesus talked about three kinds of unbelievers. There is the defiant, willful unbeliever who aggressively rejects God with, with hatred. And then there are the distracted unbelievers who are, they're not blatantly defiant, but they're just negligent about all of this. They're lazy in, in trying to figure out and decide about Christ. And then there are the ignorant unbelievers. Verse 48, the ones who they don't know. They, who have not heard the gospel. Jesus indicates there will be levels of punishment that will be different. But be that as it may, the cross divides everyone. You are either with the faithful or with the unfaithful, regardless if it's defiant or ignorant. You're either with God or cut off from the life of God. And the cross is the dividing point. It's the dividing point of all humanity. It's the division, and it's a division that is eternal. It's forever. What you and I do with Jesus Christ, what you and I do with his cross and his death and his resurrection determines our eternal destiny. Now, you know that. Then notice the phrase in verse 52, from now on, from now on, Jesus is signifying the way it's going to be now in the future. From, on now, from now on, there's going to be divisions. Five members of one household divided. Three against two and two against three. You, you know, Jesus is quoting an Old Testament prophet here. Micah 7 verse 6. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. This, this is distressing. These are distressing words. We want our families to be unified. We want them to love one another. But we have to be realistic here about what Jesus says. He divides families. In many cases, family members have to choose between loyalty to their family and their parents or a child or their children and loyalty to Christ. We never stop loving our family members. But Jesus and the cross can bring division. We all must understand this. We all must make our choices. The gospel is a serious problem between people who reject it and who believe it. In Matthew 19, 27, the disciples, they, 
They say to Jesus, look, we've left everything and followed you. We've, we've left our families, we've left our jobs, and, and, and what's going to be left for us? We've left everything. What do we get out of this? And Jesus says to them, I say this to you, that everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. In other words, it's worth it. The division is worth it because of what we gain. And when we come to Christ, consider this, friends. We gain a family. We gain the body of Christ, the family of God. We have many brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and children in the body, in the church. Then Jesus brings this discourse to a conclusion. It's interesting how he's, he focuses on the disciples and zeroes in on them, and then he steps back. And, and remember the context. There's thousands of people sitting there. And it says here in verses 40, uh, 54 through 59, he gives a warning, and he says to the crowd, to the whole group, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain. Because the cloud's coming off the Mediterranean Sea. There's moisture in it. They know it's going to rain. And when the south wind blows from the desert, you say it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? But what's the warning? The warning is a need for spiritual discernment. The ability to discern and interpret what is happening right now in the present moment. He gives this illustration with the weather of knowing when it's going to be hot and knowing when it's going to rain. Well, today we have 24-hour weather channels. We have weather apps on our phones. There's satellites and radars that read the sky and measure the, the moisture and the wind speeds. But some of you may remember a day when weather was predicted by how the cows and horses gathered in the fields or the intensity of the wind. When the crickets start chirping, how your joints start to ache, and how when there's so many snows on the robin's tail, then it's going to be spring. And then all those sayings, red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Well, obviously, Jesus is not talking about the weather. He's talking about an awareness of what God is doing, of spiritual movements in our present moment. And he calls them hypocrites because the Savior of the world is standing right amongst them. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's bringing people back from the dead. He's proclaiming truth as they've never heard it. And they can't see what's going on. The, the kingdom is breaking in and they can't see it. 
They can't discern it. They can tell when it's going to rain or be hot, but they can't see what God is doing. And the same is true in the next illustration where he says, when you're going with your adversary to court, try to get reconciled on the way because if you end up before the judge, he'll turn you over to the officer who throws you into prison. That's kind of hard to understand, but the implication here is you've done something wrong and you are being taken to court. You're guilty and your adversary's hauling you in. And the advice is, deal with it before you get to court. Make things right before you get to the judge where you'll have to pay the full consequence. In other words, spiritually speaking, understand what's going on and take care of your business with your Creator. There's an urgency here. Don't delay, don't procrastinate because God is at work. He is active here. He's doing something and you might miss it. We all know the story of Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples of Jesus. A man who failed to discern what God was doing in Jesus. And in his foolishness and blindness, he tries to take matters into his own hands and he tries to force Jesus to make a political, military decision. And he ends up losing everything. Think of it. For three years, Judas is in intimate company with the literal incarnation of God Almighty and he cannot discern what's going on. Jesus is telling us and warning us Open your spiritual eyes. Back in Luke 12, verse 2, he said, There's nothing covered up that will not be revealed. There's nothing hidden that will not be made known. Whatever you have said in the dark, it's going to be heard in the light. Whatever you've whispered in the inner room, it's going to be proclaimed on the housetop. And I say to you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more they can do. But I'll tell you who to fear. Fear the one, and that's God, who after he's killed you has authority to cast you into hell. If we don't see and acknowledge our need, our sin, and if we don't see God's provision in Jesus Christ, we are in trouble. Friends, Jesus is the great divider. He's the dividing line. The cross is the great dividing event. If we embrace Jesus, He will be to us the Prince of Peace. We all know that the world cannot offer us peace. The world says, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Because peace only comes through the rule of Jesus. He is the true and lasting peace. A peace that passes human comprehension. A peace not as the world gives, but only as Christ can give. Would you pray with me? God, we so much want peace.
We want conflict to go away. We want wholeness and completeness of body and mind and our feelings and our wills. And we don't like division. We don't like conflict. It just makes us anxious and nervous. We feel like our worlds are going to fall apart. And yet, Jesus, you tell us today that you come to divide. That you have come to bring fire on earth. Lord, help us to understand all this and to recognize the baptism that you underwent to bring us peace and to recognize that there is a cost to following you, that it will divide us from other people who reject you. And we pray for the courage to make that decision and to accept those divisions and to live with them and to Lord, also we ask, be discerning. Open our eyes, Father, to what you are doing in our lives, in our church, in the body of Christ here and in Ukraine and in other places in the world and to join you in what you're doing. And may we be peacemakers as we bring Christ to our world. So thank you. Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.